everybody. Welcome to RPG Cast episode 274 for the week of August 10th, 2013. This is RPG Gamer's biggest Ron Perlman related podcast in ages. Starting off with that Ron Perlman love, we've got Emmanuel Marino on the East Coast. Let me tell you what my favorite Ron, let me see. My favorite Ron Perlman production, it might be Justice League. It might be one of his Batman appearances, maybe Hellboy itself. You know, I'm going to go Sons of Anarchy. How about you, Chris? <laughs> um, Fallout. All right, Fallout, Wall, there you go. War never changes. It's the only thing Anna, I care about. how about you? What's your favorite Ron Perlman Anna-Marie Privetier, what's um, your favorite Ron Perlman? The one where I mistake him for Ron Howard. All right. Let's you check the board. You do know Ron Perlman to, to narrate, uh, to do the opening for Fallout 3, right? No. Because he was the narrator for Fallout 2. Uh-huh. So there you go, a little, little callback. A little callback. And he was the narrator for Fallout 1. There you go. Ron Perlman is synonymous with the Fallout series. Yes. John, you're worth any Ron Perlman love from you. I ha- I just continually forget who Ron Perlman is. Uh, okay. How about his Alien Resurrection performance? That was pretty good in that one. I haven't seen Alien Resurrection. <gasps> it's the weirdest one of the bunch. So Wait, that's why I, you want so to see it? It's so French. Alien it's Resurrection. Like, it's so French. <laughs> No, it really is. It was it was directed by a French director, and it really has that sort of that French style that was sort of reminiscent of the Fifth Element, like lots of neon blues, like lots of like really bright colors and open spaces. Unusual for uh, an Aliens movie. Okay. Ah, <laughs> uh, Alex Fuller, Ron Perlman, love from you. Apparently, he is an enemy at the gates. So I like that film. So All right, perfect. Oh, he was an enemy in the gates. Okay, yeah. And I'm Chris Privetier, rounding out the cast this week. Let's jump right into our feedback. This is where I have a smooth transition to the page that's no longer open on my browser. Did you know he was also on Miami Vice? One episode. He was a guest star. Wow, that's just, that's great. Okay. <laughs> feedback! Shaman writes in and says, when it comes to getting Japan to start focusing on the West, money talks and BS walks. So he's talking about our, how do we get Japan to care about Western games? Uh, basically, or, or about making games in the West? I don't know. I don't even remember the topic. Final Fantasy would have to start selling like Call of Duty does in Japan, and Call of Duty would have to start selling like Hyperdimension D- Neptunia does in Japan. Also, the companies can't be publicly traded in Japan, or you run into a Nintendo situation where the shareholders would demand more of a Japanese focus. Uh, uh, you remember this was the question that Anna posed at the end of the last podcast. Uh, should should Japanese game developers focus more on international development rather than just focusing on their own territory? Yeah, and apparently Nintendo can't because of shareholders, and the other ones can't because of local sales. But I would argue with this by saying, what about non-local sales? I would say Nintendo's like one of the only Japanese developers that doesn't, and in a strange way. Does it even really feel like a Japanese developer? They sort of sort of more like Walt Disney. You don't go, oh, Walt Disney, that's that American company. I think a lot of people in the world go like, oh, Disney, I grew up with that. That's my thing. Nintendo, I grew up with that. That's my thing. Now, we also had a really good discussion about this on the RP Gamer forum. So can I read off a couple posts? Sure. Um, this is from Smacked. So he says, for the question about whether Japan should start catering to a worldwide market, I think the answer is obviously yes, spoken to someone who doesn't live in Japan and speaks no Japanese. But the reality is a lot more complicated. For one, it's easier to work with what you know and your own culture is the easiest access. Second, the Japanese culture seems predisposed to be very internet internally focused and couldn't seem to care less 
less if their media is accessible to other cultures, which is true, which is my objection. Um, third, the reality of attempting to aim media at other cultures seems to be a much more complicated problem than it might be worth solving from a time and money perspective. So interestingly, um, Master Chief actually came back, and I think he sort of summarized some of my thoughts really well. And Master Chief says, I think the issue is that when people talk about Japanese developers internationalizing, we make the mistake of talking about context. Personally, I don't want more Western-style themes and characters from Japanese studios, though I would be happy if I never saw another child protagonist in a game, mainly because they've been pushed to the point of exhaustion from North American and Western European developers. Manny said on the podcast that many, many moons ago, or sorry, Manny said on the podcast, said this on the podcast many, many moons ago, but what Japan needs to work on is mechanical and not stylistic. Bring us the crazy ideas, but do they really need to be couched in archaic, unintuitive menu designs and controls? Can we pretty, pretty please do away with save points and just let us save whenever the hell we want? Must tutorials be more than an hour long? This is what Japan needs to get rid of, not its tendency towards stylization. Thank you. I can think of two funny examples in, in the, about that in particular. Is um, do you remember that Gears of War game that was made in Japan, like that bad Gears of War clone? Uh, it was literally Gears of War. I can't remember it off the top Gears of my of head. Gears of War Judgment? No, no, no. It was a Gears of War clone oh. made by a Japanese developer. Oh, um, are you talking about Quantum Theory? Yes, I think so. Yes, yes. it's funny. So he he brought that up in another post. So. You know, one of those really funny about this is that they they saw Gears of War and they said, "Oh, that's big right now. Let's copy that." But they copy it without understanding like the mechanics of, of why those things were there, or why it was good, or why certain mechanics made the game better. So when you reload, there's a little bar that appears in the right corner and it shows you reloading, but there's no active reload. You know, there's no option to, you know, there's no target that you hit or like a little sweet spot that you try to hit so you can reload faster or get like a little boost. It's literally they saw that in the corner and they didn't understand quite why that was important or what mattered about it. So they thought like, oh, that shows you your reload progress. I guess we should put that in our game too. So it's literally a thing they copied without understanding why it's there, why it matters, how it improves gameplay. And that's one of the, that's the bad things about it. When you don't try, do what you do best. But it doesn't mean you couldn't learn some things like a better netcode, you know, maybe better better systems for playing online. Nintendo could definitely learn about a few of those things. Or just saying like, oh, well, this... I mean, you just, mm-hmm. the, you just showed an example of them not properly learning from something that they tried to take. So how, what's to make them learn the right lessons and not the wrong lessons? You know lessons? what? I would think maybe having someone like Ryan Payton in your studio. If mm-hmm. you don't remember Ryan Payton, he was a... Uh, he was there during. He was there during uh, Metal Gear Solid Four. Yeah, he was. He was like the sort of the English facing voice for Metal Gear for Metal Gear Solid Four. He did the Kojima Productions podcast and all that stuff, and he was that sort of American voice. He grew up in the United States, and he said, and he he was in touch with friends at like a One Up who were playing like a lot of Western games, and he was like, you know, if we tweak the controls a little bit like this, I think Western gamers would have a lot more fun with it. And like little things like that, like, I don't know if that plays really well. That might be offensive to black people. <laughs> like little, just having an American who could say that, those little things might actually help a lot. Or like having a European guy there just to say like, how, would, how do you think this would play in, in this country? Like, oh, we can't do that. We have a bad history with that. If you remember the Resident Evil 5 controversy – is uh, when that first gameplay trailer was showed. I I don't. It was like this case of inadvertent racism. Like the, it was innocent on the. I, I know for a fact it was innocent on on Capcom's part. They had no idea what they were showing was like 
which was in the United States completely racially charged. Like they don't have that history. They didn't know that showing a bunch of black people looking like angry savages, like lurching forward towards a white man, shooting them in the face is was problematic. They just saw like, oh, these guys are infected. He's in Africa. He should shoot them. <laughs> but, you know, there wasn't a guy on the team to say like, oh, dude, that's not going to play at all in the United States. Yeah, like well, little things like that might actually I mean, help except a lot. their USPR team who could have stopped that. <sighs> I wonder if they get I wonder if they, how early they see that though. Doesn't in the matter. development put process the um, on it. Probably not that. You just choose yeah. not to show that trailer though. But it's not the trailer. It was in the uh, game that that explosion would have happened anyway. Right, but it wouldn't have been the thing that's posted on every website. The problem and is press, just that you may not have conference. a choice to. If your Japanese offices release this trailer, you release this trailer. If you do your job well, okay. Well, it's more of a case, but then what if there was like an like an American guy on the team who said, you know, that might not play in America. Yep. Just something as simple as that, and the guy goes, "Oh, really? Why not?" And they understand. Oh, that's. I'm glad you told us. Like, what if the same thing was like if we tried to pander to a Japanese audience? Like, oh, that's offensive. You're just making an Asian stereotype there. You shouldn't do that. It's like, oh, I didn't know that. I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, a lot of that's innocent stuff, like innocent mistakes that people just don't know. So I think that's why Master Chief, he's right. Don't try to do content because unless you actually have someone there who's European, someone there who's American, someone there who's Canadian, someone there who's from Latin America, I think you're just grasping at straws and you're just – you're playing to what you think Latinos, what black people, what Americans, what white people, what Europeans are. So for, he's absolutely right. Forget the content. Do um, – do Japanese ass Japanese content, but maybe improve the systems a bit. Maybe make them more accessible. Maybe make easier modes. You know. But I, I guess I don't understand. How do you do Japanese as Japanese and then improve the systems? I mean, don't they already like the systems as they are? Who the the people developing this? Like you're telling oh, the, the, them to do it the way you would naturally do it, but then make these changes. But you can't say what the changes are, and you need somebody from another culture. But then once you have that person from another culture, it's like you're trying no longer to be Japanese and you're trying to do the other culture thing. No, no, look at the Ryan Payne thing. Ryan Payne was never there. Like, who's never going to tell Kojima what his story should have been or what his game should have been? But something as simple as saying, like, if we have this other control scheme and make this the default for American gamers who are used to Call of Duty, they'll have a better time. Okay. That's that's something so small, but it made a big difference. And then if you read all the reviews, the first thing they mentioned was how much better the controls were. So you're putting the localization process kind of in studio, just like little things that you can yeah. stop at, like the like before it becomes a problem later. Mm-hmm. Before you have to explain it away, like oh, or release a second, yeah, explain it later, like oh, this is how they did this in this country. So we're gonna release another version later that fixes this little thing. I mean, it's weird though, but like, like. Ryan Payne was never going to tell Kojima not to put this crazy ass thing in the game, or Ryan right. Payne was never going to say, "Uh, this game needs to play like this." But something like a suggestion, to Kojima. Here's an idea. Take it if you want it. This might be better to people who are into Call of Duty right now, or, you know, yeah, little things. Like I, I know it's it's weird, it's hard, but I don't think it works unless you have an understanding. Like that's why I said, don't do the cultural stuff. Don't even don't don't try to like, unless. You actually know what you're doing? Okay. I don't know. Does anyone understand? Somebody jump in with me. I don't know. Somebody say something? Nobody has opinions. <laughs> yeah, no, I get your point. Yeah. So if that works well with ones that they're planning to localize already. Yeah. 
But yeah, I think that's what this applies to anyway. So, but you know, the, the but the funny thing is, someone in the in the comments asked, "Is it right for us to ask Japanese developers to to make games and translate? Is it right for us to ask them?" And I I don't know if it's necessarily the case that, that we are asking them to make these games more international or more focused towards us. But I think it's more of a case of them. I I won't think it's on us. I think it's more on them looking for more market share. Or being more relevant, or making more money, so they continue making their games. I don't yeah, know. I mean, yeah, I mean, some, some sort of aren't actually looking at the international market to start off with. So, I mean, those ones it's not really applicable to. But ones like Metal Gear Solid, that you sort of know are going to have a good international focus. It's worth it's worth doing for those ones. Mm-hmm. There you go. Maybe if you know your game is going to be internationally focused to begin with. You you bring in people from Europe or bring in an American to worry about that kind of stuff or worry about oh, is this offensive to is this going to spit in the face of European history or something? You well, know? I think they I think they have they have occasionally done it before. Um, I'm pretty sure Kojima got involved with a number of international uh, consultants, if you could call them that. At the <laughs> very least, when making I think it was Metal Gear Solid Three. Uh, not least for the fact that they had to fly in or. What, or did the recording elsewhere, an entire English voice cast. Because the Japanese release of Metal Gear Solid 3 is in English. It, all the voice acting is in English with, with Japanese subtitles. They don't have a, a Japanese dub track. So presumably they did have to fly a bunch of English people in anyway just to do mm-hmm. things like voice direction. I think he did, outside of Kojima's own sort of hard-on for European history, if he has one, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think there was still... There are a couple of developers who do do it. It's just not all of them. Yeah. And in, in some cases, I think only because they have like personal interests in, I don't know, European history or something like that. But I think maybe Square Enix made the... I think Square Enix learned this lesson the hard way when they were trying to do stuff like Front Mission, where they tried to make... Like the story and the direction of the game was handled entirely by Square Enix Japan. And then they just sort of sent instructions over to Double Helix about what they wanted in the game. So Double Helix sort of had this had this thing where they basically talk. They had to not only translate their instructions to like a mediator or something in the middle, but they also just really didn't have much control over the story or where the thing was going. Because I wonder if Double Helix would have had a little bit more control if they could have produced a better game. But I wonder, like I said, maybe they learned that lesson the hard way and they figured, well, how about we just leave the Western-style games to Eidos and we'll make... And Square Enix Japan will make Japanese games. Maybe that's what maybe that's what they should do for a Western focus. Just buy a, a Western developer and have them make those games. As long as they let them make it and don't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but man, was that game bad! I remember talking. I, I, it was uh, me and Michael. It was like E three several years ago. And we're Sitting in this in this room where Double Helix is trying to explain about how they're excited about the game, and they have they have Front Mission fans on the team, and they have you know they're really excited to get this going, and they have so many ideas for it. And I say like, who's handling the story? Who's handling the direction? Oh, that's that's in Japan. It, it sounded really sad though. Like as soon as we start asking questions about like who's really in charge, or even you can see like, um, well, you started to realize they had a lot less control than they were letting on. And it was much. It may have had double helix on the name, but it was like double helix was there, just crunching away on code. It felt more like. Okay. So <laughs> that's quite the discussion we've had there. All right, <laughs> I don't even know where to go. So Japan, be Japan. 
Shaman also wanted to point out the best Breath of Fire is Breath of Fire 2 fan retranslation. Which, fan retranslation? Yeah, which makes the game make sense and brings over the run button from the GBA version. So whatever that means. <laughs> the end. All right. <laughs> so let's move on to what we've been playing. Anybody know? I'll go really quick since I yeah. have like a five second thing. Yeah. I, I, I tried out Battalion Wars, which I picked up used. Oh, yeah. <sighs> I think I'm done. Oh. One play session is all I can get through. Ouch. It's like, um, adva- I mean, you know the, the crappy Advance War stories of making fun of? Mm-hmm. Now imagine that voiced. Mm. And the AI is dumb as a rock. Mm. And it's really hard to like sort of like, okay, I need to bring my, my bazooka troops in here to deal with this one. So move the C-stick over, push X button. Okay, move back to the all units, tell them to stand behind. Okay, let's go. Wait, I left one behind. It's, it's, a, it's a – you remember how annoying Halo Wars was on Xbox as a RTS game? Yeah. Halo, Halo Wars looks like a masterpiece compared to this stuff. So anyway, that's that. Real-time strategy games. Don't play them on consoles. Great. <laughs> but I will, you know what I will do next though is I'm yeah. going to try out my the last like one of the two. Well, I still have three more GameCube games. I got I'm going to play Hulk Ultimate Destruction next on GameCube. And you know what? Ron Perlman's the narrator in that game. Is so he? there you go. He actually is. Nice. So Ron Perlman Games, the podcast, keep on going. All right. So I've been playing two games this week. <gasps> Shadowrun Returns. No. I still haven't gotten into that because I don't know why. Uh, but I've been cranking along on the Phoenix Wright games, and I won't bore you anymore with that. And If you if you want to know where he's up to, you just follow him on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. <laughs> Get your, my current status whenever I make a change. Um, and additionally, I've been I've been hitting Dota two hard, so I've been playing through all the training of that, and so I know how to play Dota two now. I thought you were a League guy. I played League before Dota two because League was out before Dota two. All right, so I, I don't not I'm not one guy or the other. I just I'm not good at either game, honestly. <laughs> so I've been playing Dota two, starting to learn those characters, and and being able to follow along with the uh, the dodo 2 international stuff so i can i can kind of understand what they're saying which is good right yeah no all right okay so that was boring and um what have you been playing um just a tiny bit of lol to make me realize that i am terribly terribly rusty at lol mm-hmm. we need to all get together and play again mm-hmm. so that people don't yell at me for sucking unfortunately david and i will not be able to play with you any longer why is that mm-hmm. We did uh, pay transfers to EU West Ooh. a while back. Well, you can have a second account. Yeah. Yeah, but it's got none of my stuff on it. Oh, no. Yeah, Anything but I mean, but you can just play the free characters, and if you refer yourself, or if I refer you, we get bonus RP, right? True. True. He's so uninterested stuff. in playing with you. I thought David quit LOL. No, he's gone back. He goes back. He's gone back to play ARAMs a lot okay. on the EU service because we get a lot less lags to them. Okay. Um, and other than that, um, did I talk about Reseteer last week? No. Uh, no. Okay, I've been playing a lot of Reseteer. Capitalism, ho! Capitalism, ho! A lot, you finished it, didn't you? Yes. 
So I finally oh, I finished still haven't it managed that. <laughs> on the third cycle. So that was good. That was actually – it was really, really fun. And I actually want to go back and do – there's two different ways you can play after the game is completed for the first time. You could do endless mode, which is basically you get to keep doing everything ad nauseum. Or you can do new game plus where you take your characters and their levels and any of your inventory and you lose everything else. So you have to redo your debt um, repayment. But um, – for every time that you finish the game via New Game Plus, you get another um, character card. And that character card allows you to play that character from the start of the game instead of having to do whatever it takes to unlock them. So that's pretty cool. And there are characters that you don't get right at the beginning. You need to do a significant amount of work to get them or a significant number of events. So I'm going to go back. I unlocked Share this time around. So I'm going to try someone else next time. And then because I finished Reseteer, I also tried out Chantelise and Fortune Summoners. And I don't like the graphical style of either one of them. So Chantelise, I think I might just be done with. Anna's a graphics whore. Well, in this case, I guess. It's just really jarring to go from Reseteer to Chantelise and... Um, Fortune Summoner because they're so so different. So yeah, yeah I think it, yeah, Chantelise. I'm just not to make up a down about. You can tell it's an it's an earlier game by the same developers. So, um, and then I have been playing. Oh my goodness, brain go dumb. Yep. Brain go dumb Hell indeed. Bill. That's it. <laughs> Kill Bill. Yeah. But Hill Bill. Oh, Hill Bill. Okay. Hill Bill. Hill so Bill. You play a hillbilly who jumps his bikes over obstacles. Would those mm. obstacles be hills? No. It's just crap he has lying around in his yard, like old tires and stuff. So, I mean, it's a new developer, and it's kind of one of those things that it's like there is absolutely nothing new about this formula. You do tricks in the air by swiping back and forth, and you're rated out of three stars. If you get enough score, you get three stars. You finish the thing. It's like there's ten um, levels at, per region, and there's six regions right now. It's like a buck ninety nine to get it. I mean, the game itself is pretty ambivalent. It, it's there's nothing new. But at the same time, I'm actually pretty stoked because it's a new developer. The graphical style is really super cute. All the sound effects are really, really well done because it's like he's he's a hillbilly. So he gets lots of yeehaws and stuff like that. And that's all really well recorded. And so it's just – it's a really well put together package. So I'm kind of interested in seeing what this studio does in their future games because one of the ones they have coming up is an RPG. So that's what I've been playing this week. Thank you. And, John Earworth, have you been playing anything? Uh, aside from my usual attempts at getting space planes off a runway, um, and also some more level grinding in Final Fantasy XI, because, hey, at least Square Enix have actually announced dates for Final Fantasy XIV at this point. Yeah, it's one of the stories. We can, t- we can discuss that later. Yeah. Um, I went back to playing um, Metal Gear Rising, because I picked up the two uh, DLC packs for it. Which are both um, basically uh, their uh, prologue chapters for two of the game's characters. Um, 
so yeah, that's basically all I've been doing. Okay. That's it. Not very, not a very exciting. No, week. no, not at no, all. Not, well, not on the gaming front, anyway. All right, Alex, can you save us? I have been playing Tales of Sylvia since Thursday when the big box arrived. Mm. Oh, yours, yours arrived on Thursday, you bastard. And I. Mine showed up on Friday. See, if I'm still living in a sort of massive, in between two biggest cities in uh, Britain. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Yes, it's awesome. <laughs> okay. Uh, Do you want to talk about your you Mystic Chronicles review? <laughs> I guess we can talk about the Mystic Chronicles review as well. I reviewed Mystic Chronicles. Okay. It's, um, yeah. Oh. Well, it's not exactly bad. It's very mediocre. I think it's the way to put it. It's, um, I think it's basically gene- generic tale about a system. It, it's a port of an iOS game, and it's a Chemco iOS game. And pretty much everything you've heard about Chemco, or Chemco iOS games applies to this game. So, it's, except the localization, it doesn't. Except suck. that that was, yes, that was decent. But yeah, you can go read read about me talking about the mediocre game if you so wish. Mm-hmm. Uh, aside from that, I've been trying to get into Infinite Space on the DS. Oh, how do you like that? Um, I've not quite got into it properly yet. I mean, it, it's fun, but I still it hasn't quite grabbed me. I think I've played about four hours so far. So I'm hoping it gets a bit more interesting. So particularly story-wise, it hasn't quite grabbed me. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can expect better coming into it. Anyone else has played it? Uh, I've played uh, Infinite Space, and I got really bored by the battle system. I really like the cutscenes. Oh, I think yeah. I need to play. I think I need to play more of that at some point. I don't know. So I, I'd rather just watch it. <laughs> Like yeah. they've got these cool little cutscenes and anime stuff, and you kind of I like the way you lay out your ship designs. It's you play a little Tetris with all your ship power ups, but then the yeah, battle system is just rock paper scissors, and really boring too. Yeah, no, I can see that coming. I mean, the one concern I have is that apparently it gets a bit grindy, oh. which I can see becoming right. So if the annoying. battle system needs to be fun, if you're going to have a grindy game, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's one of the. Tails is always fun to grind on because it's fun battle systems. But this one, mm, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. And sort of while I've been playing Zilla, I've sort of also been half playing Football Manager. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Just as I am required by my nationality to do so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> I didn't realize that was a requirement. Yeah, if you don't play, they take away your NHS coverage. No healthcare for you. Oh, yeah, wow. It's on the citizenship test as well. You'd best get on that then. Yes, yeah, so you, you cease being painfully British and you just become that lug. That lug. I mean, hell, even I've played Football Manager. Well, you are painfully British, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not the response I expected. <laughs> All right. 
Chris, Chris, I have to put up being regularly called a posh wanker by the person I'm getting married to. Hmm. Yeah, I, I suppose. Hmm. And that that simply down to choice of schools, which was not a decision that I could have made. It was made only posh wankers but... go to finishing school. Yeah, that's true. I didn't go to finishing school. I went to private school. Mm-hmm. Same difference. Oh, yeah, same place. Yeah. But I, I didn't have a choice, damn it. That doesn't matter. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's all mum's fault, clearly. It's all mum's fault. <laughs> Blame the parents, huh? I like how he says that there's a definite you in it. Yes, M-U-M. Yeah. Yeah, that's how we, that's how we say it in England. Mm-hmm. We add, we add you know. even where you guys put an O. That, that's, how, that's how much we like yous here. <laughs> Kalur. All right. Well, that's it for uh, for what we've been playing, I guess. So let's see what's next here. Ah, I have news. You guys interested in the news from the week? Maybe. Heck yeah. yeah or do you okay. know it all already? I mean, I I could just go home. Oh wait, I am home. I could just go to sleep. No. Well, that's what that's what that's what David's doing right now. Here, let me tell you what I'm actually doing while podcasting. Um, got up to getting mini fighter ships. You're right, Silk. I did not get to mini fighter ships. Um, apparently we're still talking about infinite space in the chat room. Did you get mini fighter ships yet, Alex? Uh, nope. So maybe that makes a big difference, because the way it is right now is really boring. Ooh. Hmm. But that's okay. Maybe you'll like it more. So, I mean, you got through Mystic Chronicles, and that was mediocre, right? So. (laughs) Yeah, but I had a reason to play that. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, All right, well, let's hit the news then. Mars War. Who's following Mars War Logs? Nope. It's that mediocre. Yeah. Do we know whatever, it's mediocre? Whatever, right? It's a it's a cyberpunk RPG from Spider. Yeah, Can you call the... it cyberpunk if it takes place on Mars? I, yes. I don't know. It, that's what the uh, story said. Well, Spiders did, so we did as well. Oh, okay. Is that how that works, Alex? All right. Yeah, the point well, of well, cyberpunk... I like the story, so that was my logic. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> what do you think, Manny? I think the point but but we'll talk about this later. Okay. Manny in the middle of eating an ice cube. All right. Celebrate Mars War, War Logs console release that you can get the soundtrack for free. So you can see whether or not you think that's mediocre or fantastic. And there's also news that it's coming out on Xbox Live Arcade now. So it's, 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 it's. Wait, hold on. Hold on. It's, at, yeah, XBLA now. So yeah. it's out. PSN Didn't August we 7th, it's done. And then. North America PSN August 13th. So. We reviewed the PC version, right, already? I yep. know there are reviews out. I don't know if RP Gamer did. Yeah, uh, Agent did it. What do we give it? 2.5. Oh, great. So now oh, you can play it. Yeah. You know who did this? It's um the same people who did of Orcs of Men, uh, the Game of Thrones RPG. Yep, they the do, they've done a lot of games. They turn them out fast. Yes, and they've all been mediocre. Hmm. I'm not sure that's a compliment. Well, They've got another game out there this year called, was it Bound by Flame? Mm-hmm. Which supposedly they've put a bigger budget on, so we'll see. So they've spent 750000 on it instead of 500000 Hey, that's that's plenty. That's Think of how many Kickstarter games you can fund with that. I'm not sure that's, that's, that's a... I'm not sure that's 500000 I'm not sure one that's a... One mediocre one. No, no. Think of all the iOS Kickstarter games you could fund with that. I did not even get a copy of the game when it's done. 
500,000? <laughs> no, because it's iOS. Well, hey, yeah. not every iOS game fails to give you a copy of the game. Well, but they can't, Anna. They don't get enough co- codes. You know that. Really? You have to make a special deal with Apple. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it's doable. It's just yeah, not But easy. if you're big enough to get in a, to get a meeting with Apple. Yeah. I, I only know of one Kickstarter has ever done it. Revol- or Camouflage. It Camouflage. Republic. Republic. I wanted to call it Revolution, and I knew that was wrong. And I think the only reason why he did it is because he knew people. Mm. Okay. Because right, Ryan Payne made friends. You know, because he was a, you know he's one of those one-up networks, and they all like scattered to different places, like Microsoft and whatever. Yep. I think he knew people, so he got a, so he got a meeting, and they, and they figured it out. Because I know for a fact that, uh, that uh, what's it called? Star Command. They tried to do that. They actually they, they had no clue how to even go about it. Yeah, Apple's a hard company. It's it's almost as hard as trying to get tech support from Google, which I tried to do last night. <laughs> That's actually the, impossible. The tech support was it's free. What do you want? <laughs> um, I actually found out something interesting in the past month. You can get okay. So whether or not you get codes for your PlayStation PSN game before or after launch depends on who you know inside Sony. But you actually can't get codes for PlayStation Mobile. Oh, really? Yeah. So they like, just don't do it. Dragon Fantasy and stuff? No, that's PlayStation. What Dragon Fantasy isn't PlayStation Mobile? Well, what's mobile? The yeah, stuff chaos, that works on the stuff that works on, on the Androids. Okay. But uh, it also works on the Vita too. Yes, it's like Vita a, it's, and Android. It's a development platform with like standardizations that say you have to like uh, you can say like develop for. PlayStation Mobile or something, and you can have that like little icon if you meet certain standards or criteria. Yeah, but who who bothers with PlayStation Mobile? People who sort of paid money to. Oh, okay. Yeah, Chaos Wings Vita is Chaos Wings on, Vita. Okay, it's on PlayStation Mobile. Mm-hmm. Oh, Chaos Rings. Oh, that's yeah. why. Oh, so Square Enix. Yeah, they're the only ones. All right. And then whatever PS titles they've ported to work on that, right? Mm-hmm. Our PS1 titles. I don't know. All right, screw this. Board. Final Fantasy 14. We have dates for an open beta, August 17th through August 19th. And if you participate in the last open beta, you get to start on August 16th. Yay. This beta will have a level cap of 20 because I think, yeah, you're st- the this time your progress saves over towards launch. Yeah, it's, it's, a, the, it's, it's soft the launch. full content as well. Full content, but level cap at 20, so you can't really access the full content. Unless but... you've got a legacy character, which of course carry over at whatever level they were capped, you know, that they were uh, at. Good point. Good so if point. you have a legacy character above uh, level 20, then it will be above level 20. Okay. Which I don't. And My then home. the beta goes down. So this, is, this, isn't, this isn't really an open beta. It's more of a preview slash server stress test. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think there was ever any kind of doubt that that's the kind of thing that the last yeah, beta would probably end up being. And the reason I say that is because five days later, August 24th, if you pre-ordered for Final Fantasy fourteen, or if you were Legacy, I assume, you get early yeah, access. Yeah, like Legacy. Yeah, you get early access on the 24th, and then the full launch is the 27th. So there's no way they're still in true beta at this point. Um, Have we figured out how, what we're, if we're going to play? No. Okay. We haven't figured it out. <laughs> okay. We should probably log into the open beta on the 17th. Yeah. No, it's... I have to 
Make a new account. I, I, already, I already know what I'm doing, so. What are you doing? Uh, rolling Arcanist on Leviathan. Yes, that, Yay, is the Leviathan. One thing, oh. that is the one thing that they're adding this time, is they're opening up the Arcanist class, which leads into Summoner and... Scholar. Thank you. I didn't move my character to Leviathan, so... You'll have to either roll a new one or move it. I don't think you can move anymore, can you? you they are putting they are putting a world transfer service in, but Leviathan isn't a legacy server, so... Oh, right. So I can't move my old character anyway. And I don't know. You may be able to pay and move it, but I don't think you can move it. And there was a time, there was a time period between or around open beta 3 yeah, um, the point where is, it allowed you to shift characters around. Yeah, but I've probably missed that. But let's yeah, make a new that. one. Who cares? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not especially concerned about Even though you can, apparently you can remake your legacy character completely, like including race as well. Okay. Um, I'm not especially concerned about it because I never really got beyond like level 12. Yeah, that's so, kind of my, that's where I'm at too. So I may as well just start over. I mean, if it was, yeah, if, I it mean, had, this is... if it was level 50 or something, then I might actually give a crap, but. Yeah, I mean, this is why I'm annoyed and not completely chicked off that I can't access, I'm not going to be able to play my legacy character because it's like, well, she's a level 10 fisherman and that's cool, but it is only level 10. And I mean, I got to level six in the open beta by playing like three hours. So <laughs> I'm okay with having to start over. It's just the bigger irritating. issue for you is we need to get you a copy of the game. Yes, so I have we should no probably copy get that PS3 now. version, or buy a new PC version. Well, but the PS3 version would let us play it on the PS3 as well. That is true. I don't know that that matters. So I'm still confused if we – so this is something that I think we're just going to have to test is if we buy the PS3 version and I say, well, today I want to play it on the PC, can I log in on the PC? Yes, they already said that. Okay. Yeah. Even though I have a PS3 version? Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's it's real flexible. I mean, you just need a code for the game. It doesn't matter the platform. Okay. So, um, so yeah, it would yeah. make sense for us to buy the PS3 version. Yes. Okay, well, that's all. Yeah. Um, that was easy. Pokemon Evolutions are taking after Digimon, apparently. Quinn and explained DBZ. This. Oh, and well, Dragon Ball 2? Yeah. Oh, look at that. Yeah, that's totally Dragon Ball. <laughs> Which I, always, no, I just always find it amusing because one of the most frequent lines I remember hearing at school back when um, Pokemon was like originally around was um, when Digimon started airing on TV. It was... Uh, Basically, this clearly ripped off Pokemon. Even though it came first? Yeah. But yeah, this is cool. So um, in Digimon, you basically have what are called burst evolutions, which is a temporary evolution that ups the power of the Digimon, and um, then it reverts back to a more regular form. And in Pokemon, you now have Super Saiyan evolutions. So how long does this last? I'm not sure. For the duration of the battle. And yeah, is the stone single use, or how does this work? They I mean, haven't really said. I mean, do, am I doing this every single battle for no mm. reason? Is there no downside to it? Why would I, I not assume, want it always yeah. on? I assume there's sort of a trigger or something in it. So, like, I need to, maybe like Dragon Quest, I need to, um, what's that called? Bring up my tension or something? <laughs> yeah, we just, we Probably don't know a ton about, about this. Yeah. 
But yeah, it's a temporary boost to your Pokemon that changes the way they look and act and move. And the chat room all thinks Digimon is cooler now. Okay. You know, it's funny. Uh, hey, I always preferred it as a kid. That's just how it was. You know, it's funny. All of Digimon's on uh, Netflix now. Oh, is it? Netflix and streaming, yeah. Oh. But anyway, but like that, like you know that new Mewtwo, that like Mewtwo squared or whatever the hell it is? Yeah. That they've mm-hmm. been showing off? That's a, that's one of these. That's a mega, yeah. Yeah. So you can't actually get that permanently. Well, no. I guess you have it if you have a Mewtwo. But... And the item in their hand. Um, there will be a downloadable item, a downloadable Pokemon, rather, starting the day of launch. That oh, that's will, another thing that's yeah, a little sad. That like Torchic getting... will have this little stone in his hand that you use to get the Blazin, Blaziken to go to his mega form. That's the bad thing that you can only that that, that these mega some of these mega evolutions are going to be event only items. Right, but I mean, if you buy the game and you just put it on the internet, you've got that item. Isn't it like only day one day or like the day um, launch thing? No, no, no. I mean, it's starting launch day. That doesn't okay. mean they're going to end at launch day, too. Yeah, the the Did launch you... event with the bug Pokemon um, for Black and White 2, I believe, lasted like eight or ten weeks. It was long. So you should have plenty of time to do it. If and... you buy it within the first eight to ten weeks. Right, yeah, but... but they're encouraging that. Who cares about this that much other than people who are buying it launch day? Anyways, I mean, are you are you, if you're if you're the kind of person who waits for Pokemon to drop in price, which by the way never happens. No, but it's like, <laughs> what if you just buy it later? I mean, these things are evergreen yeah, but, for a reason. Yeah, but you're buying it later. Are you that big of a fan that you need the Blaze? I don't stone? like. You know what? I don't like people being cut out of content. Period. Okay, that's fair. All right. I I, I feel the same way about pre-order DLC. Uh, I don't like it. Now, most pre-order DLC is is available for sale later. Yeah. You just get it for free if you pre-order, right? Sometimes, like, but then they'll like do it like maybe eight months later. But then, at least if you really, really want that stuff, at least you get the chance to get it, right? Yeah. Which is better than nothing. Yes. yes, it's better than a kick in the pants. All right, Lord of the Rings: War in the North finally coming to the Mac. All right, Manny, we ready to play this again? No, no. because the game wasn't good the first time. <laughs> It was okay. It was mediocre. So you know the funny thing is that this is I guess this is good news mess. that the Mac is getting more RPGs and like more recent ones. The bad news is that Feral, one of the better Mac developers, Mac porting houses, is wasting their time with this garbage. <sighs> garbage. Fine, fine, fine. I say relatively. That way you're of right. All the though, things. There's so many other ones they should be porting instead of this one, given their limited time. Yes. Yes, and they spend so much time on each individual one. That fine, not garbage. Fine on this flawed title. Mm-hmm. So it makes me wonder, though, did they fix the game-breaking save bugs? I hope so. I mean, hey, that was Manny. Xbox, right? Yeah. So you know what they could be doing? <gasps> what could they be doing? Torchlight Two. Yeah. <laughs> um. Apparently, says. Oh, where's the story? Uh, I had it on here. Yeah, Runic Games has come out and said officially. They, uh, here, I'll just read it for you. <clears throat> the team ran into unexpected complexities when porting the game to Mac, and they are going to, in combination with an effort to ramp up our next project, so I guess that took time away from the Mac port. So they went on to say, um, quote, the Mac platform still poses some challenges for us as a company, as anyone who waited for the Mac port of Torchlight 1 can attest. As a result, we are still pursuing it, we don't have a date or any real details to share on the Mac port of Torchlight 2 just yet. When we do have something to share, though, we'll do so as quickly as possible. 
So check back in another eight months. Yeah, why'd they even bother to say anything at this point? Well, <laughs> I guess it's no, I think it is important to say something because people had started to say that it just wasn't coming to Mac, like they had canceled it. But I think that using Torchlight One as an example of why it's late is um, actually not good for them because number one, it was only six months. This has been like a year. Number two, the reason that it took six months wasn't because of any complexity. It was because the people that they originally hired to do the port, they fired them and hired somebody else. Hmm. So they should not have really mentioned Torchlight 1 in this because it's a terrible example of why it's taking so long. It's not even close to the same thing. He just made themselves sound a little incompetent as a developer. Kind of, yeah. Hey, but War of the North is coming to the Mac at least, right? <laughs> hey, you know what's coming to Final Fantasy XI? For the three Wait, people who, who still play that game and don't have them, uh, you can get the D- uh, Abyssia add-ons for free. Oh, right. Yeah, that. I was actually off to some of that. Yeah, so if you um, have Wings of the Goddess and Rise of the Zealard expansions, just those two are needed, and you want to go back and play the game, so you'll need to renew your subscription, you'll get the the Abyssia packs, which are great. This is good news because it helps you level really quickly. You basically need all three of those if you want to do all the leveling parties and stuff. So um, that's good, I guess. Yeah, I did the whole... I did uh, 30 to 75 in, um, I think it was about four hours. Oh, that's slow. <laughs> yeah, that was. I think that was at about 270k an hour. Oh, wait. Uh, um, was this? Did you do this back when 75 was the cap? No, no, I did that last week. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And so now the cap is what, 99? 99. Yeah. So go all the Every, way. Everything not designed for level 99 characters is you know, sort of trivially easy at this point. Yeah. Almost. There are a few things that probably still present a decent challenge. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I was only after it because um, some of the stuff there um, that they gave you, some of the key items to help you... Uh, I actually never got during the original rush because I wasn't playing at the time, and most people don't really run half them anymore. Okay. Because at the moment, people are still are mostly interested in the current expansion. Seekers so people aren't even doing Abyssia? Oh, no, there are people doing Abyssia, but most of it's just EXP parties, not right. other stuff. Yeah. Okay. So, Fair. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, let's see. I'm just reading the first comment on this article. This is really funny. No. That's funny. Are you going to share with the class? Are you going to share that? Oh, right. It's a podcast. Okay. Yeah. Um, Pending corrections incoming. Uh, The Abyssia expansions were released years ago. They are just making them free with a starter package to get people interested. I mean, this is funny if you read the article, which nobody did. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. All right. Also, he corrects someone for using the numbers 11 instead of XI when referring to Final Fantasy XI. <laughs> well, they're not actually that old, I don't think. Abyssia... It was uh, years ago. was 2000, yeah, 2010, 2011. But bear in mind, this is a game that's been running nonstop for 11 years, aside from that one month where they shut the servers down. Mm-hmm. And that was to do with, you know, that horrifyingly, nat- you know, horrifying natural disaster. Oh, yeah. I, I do so, remember that, yeah. I, yeah, and Seekers of Adulin only came out this year, earlier. 
It's why I'm a temporary resident of Madison, Wisconsin, so I could buy it off the US Amazon store. <laughs> All right. Yeah, for 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 paperwork. Wonder who purposes, helped you with that? <laughs> yeah, for for paperwork purposes, Chris, I'm actually like living at your old house or something. Okay, great. Good to know. Thanks. I no longer live there, so. No, I know. <laughs> All right, Ultima Forever is out on iOS now. It's a free-to-play spiritual successor to Ultima 4, apparently. It was first came out on browser, and the Android vo- version's coming later. Does anybody give a crap? No. No? no? I'm surprised it took them this long to get to iOS. They th- Their, their uh, stated goal from the very, very beginning was always like this cross-platform tablet Android you know, blitz. I'm surprised it took them this long to get to iOS and this long to get to Android. Not even Android yet. Yeah, I don't remember anything about this. Um, I'm, I'm just thinking that if the game probably would have gotten a lot better recognition. I mean, if it just if they would have been everywhere all at once. At this point, I feel like nobody cares anymore. I don't even remember this thing. So it's yeah, they like somebody... a big announcement. Ultima's back. Here comes. Oh, Ultima. I know. I, I, I do remember the original announcement, and then I just thought, well, this isn't going to go anywhere. I mean, is it any fun? Has anyone I tried have no it? Idea. Nobody's no. tried it. Well, right. it's free, Chris. Go try it out. Yeah. Let us know what you think. Is it free? It's free on iPhone. Isn't it? That's the whole point, right? Free, I don't free know. Free to play. Well, then I probably don't want it if it's free to play. You snob. Well, I just say that when it comes to <laughs> RPGs that are free to play, it's usually not a good thing. Is that not true? Um, I'll be honest. When I hear free to play, I roll my eyes. Nah, you don't the only one. The biggest RPG on the App Store, they claim, which is interesting. Okay. I thought KOTOR was. I, I, by file size, isn't it Infinity Blade? I don't know. Oh, but that's just HD assets. Okay. There are many ways to define this. Yeah. Are we talking about file size? If that's all it was, I'll just put some yeah. junk data in my app. <laughs> we could be arguing about this all day. Junk dot dat. I just put like a, a what's it called? A, I just put some music on there. Some, some I don't know, a free copy of a movie. That's that's what's the word I'm looking for? Ah, whatever. Bloat. That's free. That's free. Free movie. No copyright. Open something. <laughs> like all the Jane Austen books. Jane Eyre or something. Jane. Oh. Uh, oh public uh, domain. Yeah. That's Thank the one. You. Put some public domain movies on there. Anyway. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Thank you for playing along at home. If you yelled the answer several times, you won. Congratulations. You won, yes. <laughs> all right. So let's uh, let's take a look at this. We're all big winners when it comes to Microsoft, apparently, because... <gasps> the Microsoft Surface is a failure, so they reduced the price by $100. No. The Microsoft <laughs> points are going away. Okay. Yeah. Uh, wait. Isn't everyone a loser in that case? Actually... While uh, it makes everything easier to understand the pricing of, it means you can no longer get discount point cards and thus save money on things that cost Microsoft points. Uh, they still do that with iTunes gift cards. You can buy like an $80 gift card for 75 bucks sometimes, mm. $70. All right. Well, maybe we'll still have it then. That's a good point. But it's like doing like Best Buy or Apple. I mean, not Apple. Amazon will have like a sale or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, what I want to know is what happens to my points in my – like because, you know, the, it wasn't a straight conversion, right? So what yeah. if I already already have stuff in my account that I paid twenty dollars for, but then they gave me sixteen hundred for? Are these going to give me sixteen bucks, or are they going to give me the full twenty? Um, we'll add an account amount to your account 
um, of currency equal to or greater than the Xbox marketplace value of your Microsoft points. Okay, so I'll get the full 20. Not going to try that. Good. That's what it sounds like. Hopefully they don't give you anything that's, you know, in increments of cents or something that you can't ever, ever, ever use. But who knows? Imagine like Bitcoin. Oh, our Microsoft points have lost value. So you're only going to give you 25 cents on the dollar for each one. That would suck. (laughs) All right. What else we got? Um, Oh, the Wii U still being sold at a loss. Anybody surprised? No. Nope. Nope. You know, the funny thing is, if you would have told me that like six years ago... You would that, be surprised. That yeah. Nintendo would ever sell any hardware at a loss? I would call you a liar. You You're dumb. Liar. What are you talking about? It never happened. Never in a million years. Hmm. Nintendo doesn't sell hardware at a loss. They sell all their hardware to profit. That's the key to their success. Well, Not anymore. Yeah. But remember, that was like the, always the maximum. Yeah. Nintendo doesn't sell at a loss. Also, we, we, we appear to have spontaneously generated a Wii U in this house, which I'm going to blame on one of my housemates. Because hmm. So you left a piece of, of meat happens. out, and then all of a sudden you had a Wii U? Yeah, something like that. They were like hoping that. for Gremlins that got Wii U's instead. Yeah. Well, yeah I'm, actually kind of, I'm actually kind of bummed out of that. You know, Wii U's and Mogwai have a lot in common. <laughs> Do not get them wet. That's oh, true. Okay. Can't really argue that. <laughs> Maybe you should, though. All right. Xbox One has been unboxed. Did you guys see the Larry Herb unboxing video of Xbox One? No. I did. I was too busy being angry about not having Wi-Fi AC. <laughs> Is that a big deal? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. All right. Um. Well... <laughs> So the Xbox One is coming. They 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 did a di- they did a um, unboxing the day one edition. You know, if you get the day one edition, your um your controller will say day one edition on it. That's the whole point of the day one edition. That's literally what you're paying. <laughs> no, you also get like um a, a game or something, some some sort of content, right? I don't remember. Do you? Oh no! Oh, don't you get an achievement? Well, there's a code. He mentions a code that you get with it if you got your day one edition and there's some sort of thing in there. Maybe yeah, some got... maybe some editions cost no, more no, than I they bundle. I, rem- I just remember during E3 that they announced if you, you got like a pre-order. You do. Uh, you get an you, achievement. You get, like, you get an achievement on your account for doing it. Yeah. What's, it, what's the achievement? I'm an idiot. <laughs> I have too much disposable income. Uh, I guess there must also be some versions that probably cost more and come with a game or in the codes in the manuals or something. Okay, whatever. So the, he unboxed everything. He showed off. There's a headset Ooh, that has better audio quality and stuff. Yeah. Wow. I um, would hope so than a headset that was made, that, you know, that was first made like a decade ago. Well, that headset was awful. It yeah. never even connected to the controller right. And you'd have all these like these rubbing like the connection static because the the connector wasn't in right. You know, the free headphones you get with your iPod, your crappy iPod no less, were better than that stuff. Yeah. All right. So they're also including HDMI cable, and they're very adamant about how it supports 4K output. (laughs) I mean, the HDMI doesn't really, or the Xbox doesn't really do it, but, you know... (laughs) But if you want to stream it, you know, you say that though, but if you wanted to stream 4K content in the future, having an 802.11 AC connection would actually make that a better. I can barely stream 1080p right now. Yeah, but this is going to be on the market for like another decade. No, it's not. (laughs) I I think we're pretty sure that. Well, okay, whatever. Who knows? 
Hey, hey, no one thought they would need N. Now N is the standard everywhere. Well, absolutely. No, that was whoever said that was ignorant. But because uh, just trying to do video streaming over G, and then you learned quickly that N was going to be your savior. Yeah, but then start trying to do like 4K video and downloading all of your games. Yeah, you over to N. Speed? Yeah, absolutely. So A, B, G, and N is what's going to be supported on the Xbox One. But something that is good, it's going to support 5 gigahertz as well as 2.4. That's good. really good because it, people are having so many 2.4 gigahertz devices, it's time to start moving your wireless network up to 5 to get out of the way and have better frequency and, and communication between your devices. So that's good. Um, let's see. What does this mean? Oh, if you plug the USB cable into the Xbox One controller, you can play it without batteries, and it will... Uh, oh yeah, that's nice. So that's so that's a way to get around having to have it charged all the time. Oh, okay. does that mean you can use it? What use it as a PC controller? Because remember, with the Xbox 360 controller, you have to get a wireless adapter. They didn't say that for the PC version. Well, I'd, you know I mean? I'd still want my PC controller to be wireless though, because the PC is in a different room than the TV. Oh, but for some people, they just want to just plug the yeah, they yeah, have yeah. the wired Xbox, just plug it in, and be done with it. Yeah, I I don't know. That could be true. I really don't know. I didn't say. Um, that would be nice to know. And, well, 500 gig hard drive, Blu-ray optical device. Oh, right. Um, connect. Wait, does that mean it actually plays Blu-ray movies or just Blu-ray reader? I mean, for? Uh, I, I assume it means it plays Blu-ray movies. Because why bother? If you're well, just up? for the have the extra storage space for your yeah. for the games. Does, does it necessarily mean... That would mean... be really weird, Manny. For don't some, you need a license, supposed... though? They didn't want to pay for the license. You need one for DVD as well. I yeah. So I figured if you're, I, I guess if you're already putting a Blu-ray drive in there, you're already paying for the license. You for gotta movies. do. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine they wouldn't for their living room box. All right, but they didn't outright say it though, right? I'm more interested in this. Um, All right. Larry Herb on the video mentioned specifically that the Connect functioned as an IR blaster. So that means um, potentially you can control the other things in your in your entertainment center by having the connect kind of bounce it off the walls and then back at your at your TV stuff. So that's yeah. kind of cool. And if that doesn't work they have an actual IR blaster port for you to hook well, up a real IR blaster. That's great. I'm glad I spent an extra hundred dollars. Yeah, I know. I like how that sounds like a weapon. IR blaster? <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh, all right, go watch the video. Nobody cares, huh? All right. No, tell me, is that it? No, that is it. (laughs) Um, EverQuest and EverQuest 2 are getting expansions. Anyone care? No, No, man. It's for me, EverQuest next or nothing. Okay. Call of Forsaken for EverQuest, Tears of Vishan for EverQuest 2. And yeah, EverQuest next is much more what I'm interested in. Star Wars The Old Republic is getting rideable tauntauns in a new story arc. That's kind of cool. No? All right. Well, they smell bad, man. They smell. They smell. You thought they smelled bad on the outside, huh? All right. Final Fantasy VI only took a year to complete. That came out this week. Final uh, Fantasy VI. Yeah. So. Huh. Ki- yeah. So Kitase was. So there you go, it. lazy indie developers. Get on it. Make the next masterpiece of Japanese game design. I know. What's up with that? I I really like that game, and it only took a year. What, what is? Have HD assets killed gaming? No. Because it sure seems like it has. No, no, no. Remember when, just, when people used to say, like, it's funny, I, I still listen, occasionally listen to old GFWs. Mm-hmm. I like to listen to them on the date 
that they listened just sort of like get a look back what people were talking about six years ago, seven sure. years ago. And it's so sad. Like almost every episode, the guys have to talk about PC gaming isn't dead. <laughs> they, they, have to, they have to like uh, you know Defend debate it, an yeah. article or someone saying that PC gaming is dead and say, no, it's not dead. It's not dead. And now you say that it's, it's ridiculous. Humble Bundles and Steam have never been more successful. GOG is making gangbuster money. Even startups like Desera are making great money. And it's, I think it's not that HD gaming has killed you know, game development. It's just it's, it's, it's changed. I think back then, six years ago, they didn't see where the change was going. But now that we're here now, we see what the change is. It's a lot more indie. It's a lot more low scale. A lot of these games work on laptops because most, most people who have a PC have a laptop. Uh, it's just – it's smaller. It's leaner. Kickstarter, crowdfunding, indie developers. Well, and if the problem is as for as many good things that have happened, especially for PC gaming, we've also lost some things. Like there is no such thing – as sort of that middle tier three to five million dollar game anymore. That that market is completely dried up. Unless you're like an exo- in exile, you can convince people to give you three to five million. That's that's Kickstarter though. But I mean, realistically, it's like, um, I used to know people that worked at studios that all they did was make games for publishers in that three to five million dollar market, and some of them were PC and some of them were console, and pretty much every single one of them, I think one of them is still in business doing PC and console games. Everyone else has moved on to browser and iOS or had to scale down or scale up. You know, the funny thing is people, a lot of people are saying that, oh, those, those mid-tier developers will start self-publishing on Xbox or PlayStation, but like they you can. just said, Anna, yeah, they can. the publishers are giving them money to make these small games. Right. So they still need to come up with the funds to, to do this. So if they're self-publishing, that means the money is either coming from an angel investor, from their own pockets, or from a crowdfunder. Yeah, no, I'm not saying that they can't um, because of the Xbox limitations, Chris. I'm saying that it's just not financially viable. Why not? Because it's hard to get 3 to $5 million together. But it's easier to get a hundred million. If you're the funny thing is yes, but then but then by that point you're a wholly owned studio by EA, you know. And yes, because here is sort of the dilemma: is um, I know someone who used to work at SOE, and they were a longtime contributor to Planetside Two and EverQuest and EverQuest Two, mm-hmm. and the original Star Wars MMO. And they eventually left to help form a new MMO studio. And they were basically looking for an investment of 8 to $12 million. And the problem was is that when they were looking at angel investors, no one wanted to invest less than $30 million in an MMO. Because they wanted a huge return. Right. But the problem was is that they didn't need $30 million and they weren't prepared to make the game a scope of a game that required $30 million. So they actually had a hard time finding money. And it's weird too, even like I was listening to uh, the, you know, the Ryan Pink I was mentioning earlier. He has a, this, their studio has this podcast called Camouflage Radio or, and they re, it's this sort of nitty gritty podcast that gets into the process of game development. They do like a one, they do one one episode every month. And like maybe two months ago, that what he talked about how he went to some conferences to show off the game, you know, see how it's doing, show the maybe potential investors that they want to get in, help distribute it in Japan or across Asia. And 
I seemed like a lot of people just were not interested. Well, even he had a hard time justifying it to other people because it's, I think what developers want is the next Dragon's Fantasy. Is that what it's called? Dragon Fan- Dragon D- – wait. You know what I'm talking about? The iOS game, Dr- Dragon Castle? <laughs> Someone I knows. no idea what, what you're talking about, It's Danny. a play game in, in Japan. Dungeon – and puzzle and Dragons. There you go. Puzzle and Dragons. That's Thank what you. they're looking for. The next gung-ho. That's what they all want yeah. because it's such a small investment. That game was like made for like on a shoestring budget, but and it's making like what? A, a several million a month? Yeah. Probably a day. So, I mean... And well, it depends how often Chris is buying stones it for does, it. It does, yeah. So, like, so Payne was talking about the difficulty of trying to sell a game that's a high-quality iOS game with good graphics and actually like good voice actors like a... You know what's a David Hater and those kind of people, and but and it's like a six-hour experience, six to seven-hour experience, and it's like you can only monetize it like once the first time you buy it. So it's like it's like how do you sell that to investors now who who can spend either a bunch of money to get a giant MMO like I was talking about, or like a few couple a couple of million and expect massive returns, even more so than the big MMO. So like so he's talking about just like even he's like saying like I I want you to benefit like if I were in your shoes I don't know if I would back our game why would you do that you only get you only get twenty bucks once or like so to speak you don't make twenty you know hey you're not gonna make twenty million dollars a day <laughs> hmm. it's it's a good listen to um it's camouflage radio I'm not sure which episode it was maybe like two months ago if you want to hear his talk about just trying to where the Japanese market is moving as far as angel developers are going and just mobile developers and indie developers. So if you're not crowdfunding, if you're not, you don't have some money in your bank by your, on your own, it's getting harder and harder. Even small stuff like, like you know, like like Double Fine's in a weird position because they were that mid-tier developer, mm-hmm. but they're sort of moving more to like an indie developer and more of a crowdfunded developer, but their studio is still in San Francisco. And not even like not like and like in the good part of San Francisco, you know, on that street with all those other developers and like big big buildings, like the burn through rate on that and just the rent, paying all those people in their studio and their health insurance, and you know that's an expensive studio to maintain. That was on a, that was like on a mid. That's when they were a mid tier developer. Hmm. So, I don't know, I just think- suck. I'm oh, I'm just saying, like we think about like a lot of the stuff. We think about it like, oh, how much does the game cost to make? But we also don't think about, well, how much does it cost to maintain your studio where you are in New York or Los Angeles or San Francisco? How much does it cost to make sure your your your, your people have health insurance and they have vacations or enough days off to actually go be with their families? There's other, you know, there's other stuff like that. Just it's not just so much that the mid tier game budgets are expanding, but just mid tier studios existing. Period. It's getting more difficult. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, it's either you're an indie developer in your garage or at your house, or you're on the campus, your EA campus or something. Mm-hmm. It's hard, man. Yeah. Real talk. Real talk. <laughs> Brought to you by Rom Perlman Gaming. <laughs> game development. Game development never changes. Wait. Yes, it does. Never mind. All right. Dragon Age Inquisition is going to reintroduce multiple playable races. It's about damn time. Yeah. Like a real RPG. So you get to, uh, you're the leader of the Revive Collective of Inquisitors who are trying to get rid of evil throughout the region. And um, you can have multiple playable races. And that's all they're telling us. We don't know what they are. Anyone care? I kind of um, do. I'll care when I actually see it. Yeah. Right now, it's just all talk and a CG trailer. Yeah. Show me what the game is actually is. Yeah. 
Well, Sorry, I missed what we were talking Dragon about. Dragon Age Inquisition. Oh, right. No, I don't give a crap. Oh, okay. Never mind. I'm sorry. Right. No, I'll, I care. I'll, I'll totally check it out. It's just right now, all they showed us was a CG trailer. Yeah. Which they said, oh, those are in-game assets. Yeah, but but what did you actually show me what the game actually looks like? Good point. But it's a good sign, okay? So, hey, we play. you're saying the right thing so far. You just got to deliver. All right. Next up, Wii U Games and Bethesda apparently don't get along. Shock. Wii U Games are not on our radar for the near future, says I Bethesda. think as a Wii U... Pre- that's fine. I think if you own a Wii U, I don't think you want a Bethesda game on your platform anyway. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, they're so good at developing for new platforms. Well, <laughs> Nintendo... Do- oh, say, what'd you say? He said they're so good at developing for new platforms. And we yeah. All <laughs> well, I mean, and the problem, of course, Nintendo requires the games to actually work, so... I think look at the trouble they had with the PS3, and the only reason why the Xbox 360 was as functional as it was is because it was so close to a PC. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know, man. Do you? Yeah. No, I agree <laughs> with you. Done. Now, for what it's worth, that is also because the QA process for Sony and Microsoft is different from the QA process for Nintendo. Yeah. Sony doesn't care how many bugs your game has; they just care that it works. That seems like a contradictory statement, actually. Doesn't it? <laughs> I know. But it's true. <laughs> okay. There's also this to, to keep in mind that I don't think Bethesda is going to spend any time or effort porting Skyrim or Oblivion or Morrowind to the Wii U. And I say that specifically because you're sure as hell not going to see Fallout 4 on anything that's current gen or similarly powered to current gen. At the same time, guys, let's not dismiss the fact that Nintendo is publishing Bayonetta 2. Oh yeah, I can actually play that now. Why? So what, you think they would they would do well, the localization? Because my, house, because my housemate bought a Wii U. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. So, Anna, are you suggesting that they might go to the trouble of porting Skyrim themselves? No, but that you guys sort of dismissed the idea that the Wii U would have a market for that type of game. And I'm hey, saying, I well, no, I'm not saying that they wouldn't have a market. I'm saying that I don't think I, I think you wouldn't want a crappy port of Skyrim or Oblivion on a Wii U, given how terribly it played, or even Fallout Three or New <sighs> Vegas. No, nope, that that's an entirely different kettle of fish, and I agree. And I also don't think that I and I firmly believe that their next RPGs are all next gen focused, and I just don't even I, know. I also think that the number of people, and I mean, I know it's completely contradictory to my Bayonet statement, but I think the number of people that have a Wii U and want Oblivion or Skyrim and don't have another console is very, very, very tiny. I would say so, too. But I I just don't see how they're going to, unless they're making, unless they're also making a PS3 360 version that's much smaller and a little smaller scale. Or even just like I don't know how can you how do you, how do you tone down an open world game that's made for next gen? What do you do? You put less people on the streets? Do you make it uglier? <laughs> you make it uglier. Yeah, I don't you, know. You zone it. So hmm. more loading. Yeah. All right. If 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 uh, I could see it in this scenario, if they make if they do make, I just I just can't imagine. Like they always like to push it, don't they? I don't know. Then again, I'm, I'm maybe I'm naive to think that they're going to release. Fallout 4 only on next-gen consoles. And PC? 
And PC, of course. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Isn't that because, the expectation at this point? Yeah, but every, but then we're all saying everything is cross-gen, right? Why wouldn't you release it on the 360? If a game... Because there might... There might be incentives, and I mean cash incentives. Oh, I hear you. For putting it onto just the next-gen system. Mm. And if that's the case, it makes it even harder to put that on a Wii U. Yep. Hey, but let's be honest. You buy a Wii U for the Nintendo games, right? The yeah. good Nintendo games. And you just hope that there's some stuff other than the good Nintendo games because there's... They are too far and few between. All right. So you guys heard last week that, or was it the week before, that they're bringing out um, Spot Pass Relay for Nintendo 3DSs? No? Nobody remembers this? Sure. Yeah. Basically, you can go to Best Buy or McDonald's or anywhere that there's a Nintendo Nintendo zone. zone. And when you tag, basically, a 3DS that stays there... And you pick up whoever tagged it last. So if I go into McDonald's, order a Big Mac and leave, and the Manny comes in and orders some chicken nugs, he can then tag me even though I'm not physically there anymore. Going to get some chicken nuggets now, Manny? Got to get them nugs. Got to get them nugs. Yes. Uh, Yeah, so that's cool. Some people have figured out how to do it at home now. And apparently all you need is a router that can do um, uh, DDWRT, the open source router firmware, um, or a router that lets you change its wireless MAC address, which some routers will just let you do. Um, If your router supports this, you can change the SSID of your access point, change the MAC address, and then there's a spreadsheet that people are collecting. And the way it does this is the, the MAC address that your 3DS detects it goes up to a server and says, hey, did anybody, um, the, all the relays are actually stored on one of Nintendo's servers, apparently. So all the, you know, hey, did anybody check into this MAC address? If so, send me their Mies. So you can do this at home, and there's a whole spreadsheet like, this is the MAC address to use for getting tags for Animal Crossing. This is the one used for Fire Emblem and, and so forth. And obviously, if, and you could just do them all, too. And then you can get tons of Mies um, without leaving your home. And and just max out all your uh, street pause games. It's like going to PAX, but you don't have to actually leave your house. So Interesting. That's defeating the point of the street pass system. Yeah, and I've been spending time look, looking up really inexpensive DDWRT routers on Amazon. I found a couple under twenty five bucks, but I'm wondering, is it really worth doing, or should I just? Yeah, it's totally worth it if you live in Puerto Rico yeah. or Alaska. But like, or should I? I don't know. It's like, or am I cheating the system and and robbing myself of fun by doing it this way? Well, I say if you don't have access to these big venues, they're too far away. You literally have to get on a plane or drive through another country to get there. Go for it, man. Well, I guess I'm trying to figure out what's most fun about Street Pass. Actually, finally getting to do it, or just maxing everything out and being done with it. Hmm. I don't know. All right. Well, that, that, I just want to let you guys know about that. that. That's out now. Shadowrun Returns has got DLC planned, and it's coming out late October, apparently. Uh, that's the Berlin that's update. Not the, that's, your, that's your mission that you paid for, Chris. Yeah, well, apparently I paid for it, yes. Okay. So, anyway, it's <laughs> they, they want to let you know it's late October. So Yeah, so Kickstarter backers will get Berlin for free, and everyone else will have to pay for it. 
And they're saying that Berlin will be more open-ended and less linear than uh, the Seattle campaign was. And this was mentioned on an, in an interview with RPG Fan on their podcast. So we'll see if it's true how much more open it actually is. Cool. Cool. All right. Maybe they'll fix the save system. Yes. <laughs> Tales of Zillia has a trailer out and it's talking about how there's two heroes, one destiny. It's just a trailer. I don't even know why I put it in the rundown because I don't usually cover trailers because they don't work well on a podcast. No, I was just saying we, the only reason you put it on there was it was a news article that just happened to be written this week. Yes. The right. only reason you put it there. Yes. Well, okay. Good point. Runic. Oh, we already talked about that. And finally, anybody who's a big fan of Final Fantasy knows, or at least has heard music by Nobuo Uematsu. Um, and he has an ebook coming out for the iPad called Blick O 1946. It's available through the iTunes store now and has music tracks from the Final Fantasy composer. And yeah. So he also wrote the book. And so you can you can read the book. It's about finding happiness in everyday life. So if you care about that, check that out. I have not read it yet. It's ten bucks on the iTunes store. All right, that's all I got for news. What I missed, I guys. Have more a lot. News. Oh, oh, ooh, hit me, Alex. You go first. Yeah, there is a thing called Project Phoenix, which is it's it's sort of Japanese indie developer. Although it's in the early stages, but they're going to set up a Kickstarter at some point to develop a JRPG slash RTS. But part of Project Theatre is Hiroaki Yura, who's apparently founder of Creative Intelligent Arts. don't know who that is, but it's also got the art director from someone who worked on Final Fantasy 13 and 14, as well as music from Umatsu. Sweet. You know, this there's is gonna... actually a bunch of Umatsu news this week. Because yeah. we also announced that he's the mu- again that he's the musician for Hometown Story. You re-announced it. Yeah, because apparently we kind of only told people at like press events. Mm-hmm. So we were like, we should probably send out a press release about that so that uh-huh. everybody knows. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm not sure if it was ever announced before that the girl who does the graphics is Atsuko Nishida. Who everybody knows but don't realize that they know because she designed Pikachu, Ash, Misty, and Brock oh. among many, many other Pokemon. But wasn't the um, feedback about the art for that new game that people don't like it? Yeah, it's been improved since the first trailer. Oh, well, that's good. Yep. They had to remake it? No, not remake it. Just re implement it. Or yeah. Something. Okay, sweet. That's kind of <laughs> cool. It, yep. Apparently, the Project Phoenix site indicates it's going to be like a big reveal in one day, according Ooh. to the website, which is projectphoenix.info. Uh, it's, it's going to be interesting when they when they run into the other Project Phoenix. What's the other Project Phoenix? Uh, well, I, I, something related to Phoenix's. I think that's the motif that they decided to go for. But the um, the the cabal of pissed off City of Heroes players attempting to um, uh, basically create a new MMO that was similar to the now closed City of Heroes. Oh, okay. under the title, I believe, was the Phoenix Project. 
Um, and I think I, I seem to remember whispers of a Kickstarter on that one as well. Basically, to try and create something that was fairly similar to um, uh, City of Heroes, but without invoking the wrath of NCSoft's copyright lawyers. Hmm. Basically. So the fan project probably won't have much to worry about, like the actual professional project, though, don't you think? No, who knows? Or rather, the other way around. The professional product won't have much to worry about. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> but the fan project, and if the fan project run in, runs into trouble, it'll be at the hands of NCSoft, not the other guys. All right. Uh, what do we got? Oh, that's it. Yeah. What was the other Nothing. news? Okay, so, uh, so do you remember this story from a while back that NXile was going to integrate Wasteland 1 into Wasteland 2 so you can just sort of launch the game from the main menu? And play through the original game from like 1988 or whatever. Oh, sweet. I didn't remember that, but that's great. So they made another deal with EA. I hate this squeaky headset. So they made another deal with EA. And apparently they're going to be able to sell it on GOG and Steam before the game's release. Wasteland so 1? Get... Yeah, Wasteland oh. 1. But if I wait, I can just get it for free? Uh, not only that, you're going to get it for free anyway. They're going to give every uh, Kickstarter backer a free standalone copy of Wasteland 1. Did I back that? Didn't I don't you? remember what I back anymore. I have to go check. Hold on. Okay, so if you backed Wasteland 2, you'll get a free standalone copy of Wasteland 1. And anyone else, you can either wait to play within Wasteland 2 or you can buy it on GOG or Steam. And, but I think the difference is you have to wait for Wasteland 2. I did. I funded it. $15. All right, so All right. You'll be getting it for free. Sweet. So the difference is you can, get, you can either wait so the game is done, I'm guessing, next year. Or you can, you know, in a month or two, you can play Wasteland 1 standalone. So that's that. I'm looking through my backer history. What I have love, you backed so far? Quick, I, I, A lot. Um, Pinball Arcade Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Double Finds Massive Chalice, which I canceled, so that doesn't count. Um, Hex, which I backed. That's my biggest backing. That was my $250 backing. Whoa, why 250 Because I wanted the Guildmaster tier. Like, I'm going to get hardcore into that game, and by paying 250 I've got many, many times $250 worth of stuff coming out of that game. So, uh, well, what kind of stuff do you get? Um, it's a long list. <laughs> do you wow, really want to go into stuff. it? <laughs> All right, just sign. Okay, the, the big thing is um, permanent ec- uh, double drop rates in dungeons in the game um, for, for, for life. Um, I also have a year of free um, draft, uh, what do you call it, uh, a draft, uh, booster draft, you know, the thing where you, you you draft boosters and then play tournaments, so draft tournaments, and then um, multiple copies of, of, of the Kickstarter exclusive cards and blah, 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 blah. tons of stuff. Um, it, it's the Guildmaster tier, you can go, you can go read about it. Um, okay. Oh, wait, I no. Just- I didn't I do just... dungeon. I did PVE experience. All right, even better. So that benefits the whole guild. So go ahead. What'd you say? I was gonna say I was just looking at my own. I've only backed five. Yeah, I fl- and they're all they're all successful though. Yeah, I have a high success rate, but not perfect. Yeah. Um, I have OVA, the anime role playing game, and Golden Sky Stories. Those are two uh, pen and paper. Oh, RPGs. I've heard of um yeah, Golden Sky Stories. Sky Stories is very good. Yeah. Um, Cran Chronicles which that was like the biggest turnaround. Like I did that. And then within a month I had like the game. That was great. Delver's drop. We interviewed the guy on this podcast. Yeah. Um, I remember that 
Tides of Numenera. I put in a dollar just to get the emails. Jeff Kanata's new show, because I like Jeff Kanata. Uh, Nerdtacular 2013, that's the Frog Pants Network stuff. Um, Final Fantasy VI album from OC Remix. I put a dollar in just to get the emails. Uh, wasn't that one? Wasn't that one of the ones canceled? Um, like, it was. It was canceled because of um, copyright stuff, and then they relaunched it after they got copyright permissions settled. Which is good because it started as a four disc and then relaunched as a five disc. <laughs> um, all right, Pinball Arcade Next Generation Table, Oculus Rift. I threw a dollar in. Um, a local meet. Oh, 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 oh. Kitty, don't oh. do that. Cat's walking on the recording software. Hold on. Let me make sure everything's okay. Um, yes, it is. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Ooh, yeah. I put a dollar in just to watch that go down. Um, Attack of the Psychedelic Zombies, Zombies, which is a Drunken Gamers Radio movie. <laughs> they did this in 2012. They still don't have the movie out. <laughs> Penny Arcade sells out. I put a dollar towards having no ads on Penny Arcade. Pinball Arcade, Twilight Zone, Wasteland 2, The Banner Saga. Um, oh, wow, I'm going to need a lot of that. All right. Um, Republic by Camouflage. And I did $10.84 for that, Manny. Shadowrun Returns, Nerdtacular 2012. Aura Tactics, um, which is a game that... It, Aura Tactics may be headed towards failure. Um, they haven't had an update on any of their pages in six months. So, Damn. Yeah. Yeah, that, that sounds like... That sounds like they probably run on that one. That's the only one I know that, that that really, really looks like it's it's struggling and may may completely fall through, which is too bad. Um, Double Fine Adventure, uh, <laughs> yeah, and Cthulhu Saves the World Enhanced Edition. So why did you cancel the Massive Chalice? Um, I decided. Um, well, for a period there, I was like kind of not funding anything. And then I started to fund again, and then I realized, no, I need a, a middle ground. Um, instead of just funding anything I'm interested in, I only want to fund things that I super, super, super duper care about, or the rewards or something that I truly think would be meaningful to me, and Massive Chalice didn't have any of those. Like, I'm interested in the game, but it's going to fund without me, and I'd rather wait and hear if it's good after <gasps> reviews. But now it won't be $25 better, Chris. But I don't care. And I only I was only doing $20, but okay. <laughs> that won't be $20 better. Yeah, and I, okay. I don't have to fund everything. I don't have to fund everything I'm interested in. You ruin it for the rest of it's us. Kind of, you know, I only really like care about funding things that, A, aren't going to happen if I don't fund it, and B, um, have some sort of reward that's really, you know, I'm, I'm doing, if I'm going to do the pre-order thing, I want to feel like I'm getting value. And so I uh, got to be super excited about it, like I was for Hex. So you want to hear my ones because it's a lot shorter list. Yeah, go for it. Uh, FTL, yeah, which as we know is awesome. Uh, Strike Suit Zero, which I need to finish, and it was awesome. Um, Project Godus, I felt like giving money to Peter Molyneux. Please don't kill me. Like, please don't kill me. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I gave money to Peter Molyneux. Please just. Yeah, uh-huh. um, uh, Elite Dangerous, the elite, the new Elite one, and uh, I funded Chroma Squad today. Okay, but I know that's past its funding goal anyway, so I know that one's going to go through. And I know, I think the other ones I did outside of Kickstarter were I did Prison Architect via um, Introversion's website and um, Star Citizen. Which I'm glad is, you brought that up. 
because I was going to oh. bring up the Humble Weekly bundle sale. It's actually the the, hum, the Humble Weekly sale is the introversion sale. So you can get all the introversion games for whatever you want, pay whatever you want. And if you pay the minimum, you back Prison Architect and you can get into the Prison Architect Alpha. And it's currently like a 17% off. All right. So how does this work? Humble Bundle Weekly Sale. Like if you look at their at their website, what they're offering for $25 usually goes for 40 so they got Uplink, Darwinia, Multiwinia, Defcon, Source Code access uh, to those games. Voxel oh, Text Demo. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Source Code access to yes. those games. Yes. That's you're pay whatever sh- you want. Yes. You can pay a dollar. I'm not. So you could do a dollar and get Source Code access to all those games. Jesus you probably do Christ. a penny. Uh, City Generator Tech Demo. So I'm you looking know, that. I don't care about any of those games. Should prison I? Architects. If you, you want to no, back no, Prison Chris, Architect. You probably should care about some of those games because they're really good. Like Uplink and Uplink and Defcon are really good. It, it'd be Did worth you like it War Games, Chris? The movie War Games. Um, I barely remember it, man. Would you like to play a game, right? So yeah, well, the Defcon is basically War Games where you are directing the nukes. Your your score is determined by how many millions of people you kill. Oh. Well, the good thing about this one is that prison, this Prison Architect weekly sale is sort of like a discount on the crowdfunding. <laughs> so you can crowdfund at a discount. And if the funny thing is if you backed within the first 24 hours, you can only pay nineteen ninety nine for what usually costs like 40 or more. Like okay. this whole bundle they sell on their crowdfunding service for $40. All right. Well, I just put a buck in and put it all to charity. <laughs> all right. So now I've got my copies of Uplink and Defcon and stuff. Great. Good for me. Does anybody need source code? No. Uh, I, I say I, I'm interested in the source code from a development perspective. So get it. But I, but I would probably pay it for myself. You could probably oh, yeah. do a penny and get source code. Oh, come on, man. This money goes to nah. charity. Don't try to rip off the people for a penny. Yeah, I, I would probably give them more than that. They probably deserve at least five bucks. Yeah, not only that, there's also the introversion story. There's a, in the audio, they include soundtracks for all the games. Plus, there's an hour-long podcast that talks about the studio's history with the two with the two found with the founder and the producer and they talk about what they're working on in prison architect so it comes with this exclusive little podcast too so i mean it, i was i was i kind of have a fondness for them if only because i i met them when they were still um like they they were just in the process of getting darwinia out uh-huh um and they, they, they you know like the, the lead developer and the it was well, this was back when they they were only three people I mean, they are honestly lovely people. <laughs> At least they were back in like 2004, which is when I met them. And Prison Architect seems like a lot of fun. Every I've been hearing rave reviews, even though the game is broken. They're like little, oh, like oh, oh yeah, the game is the game is so broken. Like it's funny if you watch the videos, like the Prison Architect video, they talk about how the <laughs> at presently the prisoners take their lunch to the showers, get naked, and then eat their lunch in the shower. Yeah, the um, they, they I remember their original pitch video when they create when they started the alpha, um, and their crowdsourcing attempt. They did actually advertise game breaking bugs as a feature, of being in the alpha. All right, really quickly, I know because everybody wants to go. Let me tell you what my uh, my my crowdfunded stuff was. I'm waiting for my turn. All right, you go. Wait, I'll go quick, and then you go. Okay. Cthulhu Saves the World Enhanced Edition. Devil Find Adventure. Autographed Obey Henry Plush Tiger. Delver's Drop. 
Net Gain, the corporate espionage game, Soul Saga, a JRPG inspired by PlayStation Classics, and now Chroma Squad. That's a lot. Seven. Yeah. I mean, I've only backed things that I'm like sure wait, are. Wait, what be do you successful. mean you're backing Chroma Squad? We didn't talk about that. Oh yeah, I'm backing Chroma Squad. Well, how much are we backing it for? Fifteen. Uh, I backed it at twenty-five because I want the beta access. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't care. How much for the collector's edition features? Uh, enough that I wasn't going to ask you. Okay. Hang on. Um, so there's a $50 digital collector's edition, comic book PDF, art book PDF, collector's only in-game items, digital soundtrack, early bay, the access, okay, digital okay. copy of the game. Okay, okay, okay. And then there's a physical copy, which is all of that in physical form, in a t-shirt, and $125. Manny, did you hit do your list yet? Here we go. Okay. So I got Double Fine Adventure, Wasteland 2, Project Eternity, Massive Chalice. Ooh. Manny's got the hardcore game list. Yep. And Alex, do you want to read off your list? Okay. We're done. Oh. Okay. You've never backed Kickstarter? <laughs> really? Sorry. All right. Why not? I my, respect like, plus three thousand for Alex. Because <laughs> <laughs> I haven't bothered getting a login to it. Oh well, that's fair. Hey, if you're in Canada, you can do Kickstarter soon. Yes, you can run Kickstarters. You've always been able to fund them, mm. providing that Amazon Payments works for you, which doesn't work for everybody in Canada. All right, with that, are we done? <laughs> or is there more yeah, news? Let's get out of here. All right, let's get down here. All right. Thanks, everybody, for watching the show and for being in the chat room. We really appreciate you. If you want to catch it live, it's rpgamer.com slash live every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern. Uh, in addition, you can give feedback to the show at podcast at rpgamer.com. That's the email address. You can also call us at 608-29... Wait. Oh, what's our phone number? I just forgot our phone number for the first time in a long time. Uh, 608-729-4098. 608-729-4098. Call now. That's 608-729-4098. Operators are standing by to take your call, and we'll play your message right here on the show. You can also send us an MP3 file right to the email address. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash rpgamer. I'm at some 1001. Emmanuel is at Marino EM. John, you are at something... Mechaquin, do I have to remind you every goddamn time we talk yes. about this? At, at Mechaquin, Alex is at Severin Mira. Yep. S e v e r i n m i r a. Anna Marie Privetier is at am Privetier. That's our follows. That's our social network status. That's our show status, and that's our show for this week. Thank you all for watching. We'll catch you next week. Anything you want to leave the people with, Anna? No. Come to PAX. Come to PAX. All right. Everyone come to PAX and say hi. I can't. Uh, it's on the wrong continent. Well, deal with it. Come on. Come on. No excuses. This month is going to suck. Why? Because Gamescom is like Thursday to Monday, and then um, PAX starts like that Friday after, immediately afterwards. When is PAX again? Remind me. September long weekend. So like the so, 29th, I think it starts. Yeah, the 29th to the 1st. And um, Gamescom is 23rd to the 26th. 
Oh, and it's my birthday on the 19th. Hey, birthday! Happy birthday! But you guys can say that next time because it's also mine. But it... Yay, yeah, birthday! So... Yeah, because Alex and I were Alex and I were born on exactly the same day. Really? Evil twins. Yeah. yeah, right the way, right the way down to the same year. Huh? Were you guys born in the same place? No. At the I same time? Not, not as far as I know, anyway. Okay, so that's less creepy. Yay, yeah. birthday! I also found out I didn't know what hospital I was born at this week. Yeah. Well, now you I, do. I was born at Southampton General. Yeah, I thought I was born at Ottawa General. I was born at Ottawa Civic. Uh, I was in Milton Keynes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for watching. We'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. They're listening. Oh, the people in the chat Here's my question watching. of the week. What's oh. your favorite Ron Perlman production? <laughs> no. Yes. Your favorite Rob Perlman appearance. No, I want it. I want it. That's it. See you next week.